Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. It's Michelle. And today's guest is, this is going to be a very interesting topic, I feel like, because we we often talk about things on the podcast that are, um, you know, what we're striving for and trying to kind of beat the odds and make our families work and all that kind of stuff. And this topic is something that I always hear people say cannot be done as a military family. So I am super interested and curious of what is going to happen with this conversation. Crystal, um, welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Crystal is a w- army wife of 19 years. She works for a nonprofit called Clement Arts that uses the gospel and arts to raise awareness and support for foster care and adoption. She has three biological children and one foster daughter currently in the home. But in the last three years, they've had 12 um, foster children in and out of the home. So, Crystal, like, <laughs> my first question is, like, I want to just say, like, how do you do that? But let's <laughs> let's scoop back a little bit yes. and and talk about, like, how did you how did you start with this um, this foster care journey? Yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. Um, so my husband and I, we, like a lot of military families, um, we actually knew each other in junior high and started dating in high school um, and got married very early in his military career. And so it was something that we had already kind of talked about early on in the marriage and kind of the same thing, like you said, we were always told, like, I guess maybe not even told, but just assumed that we couldn't foster while he was in the military. Um, mm-hmm. And so years kind of passed and it was just something that we always kept thinking about. It was always in the back of our mind. Um, and we moved to our current duty station and we had just got here and went to a church and somebody got up and was talking about how there was a huge need in our community. Um, and I just felt like, okay, well maybe we should just at least find out more about it. And if it's even possible to do as a foster family. And so we went to this orientation event that they had and they said, yeah, absolutely. You can do it as a military family. And I was like, well, I wish I would have known this like 18 years ago, you know? So um, mm-hmm. so we just sort of started taking those steps and, and, um, did all the process like you normally would do. And so here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here you are. But now you've had 12 kids, but you also like, it's become your career. It's become it your, is. your work. Yes. How do amazing. you had like my first question? Cause this is the question that we've had as a couple, right? Like how, mm-hmm the military life demands so much and it demands, I mean, like flexibility and patience, Mm -hmm. but, um, also just, you have to be ready and Mm -hmm. able to just pick up and move when they say so. Yes. So how does that work when you're trying to provide stability and love (laughs) for kids who they, who need, you know what I mean? Like in, in the conversations I've had with, my husband and also just like myself, it's like, I can't give these kids what they need Mm -hmm. when we aren't necessarily stable, when my husband's in and out of the house, when 
my husband's schedule is terrible or mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and so there's kind of, there's kind of a lot of parts to just that one question. So I'll say mm -hmm. this, um, as far as like an agency or something like that would be concerned, they actually consider military families to be stable, which when they told me that I was like, mm, you must not know us very well, but they said no, because we know that you at least will be in one spot for X amount of time typically, you know, so you can come to a duty right. station and say, I'll more than likely be here for two years, three years, whatever the case may be. So they say, okay, we have that time frame, and they know that. Um, so in some sense, you kind of know what you're working with, at least. Um, the other part of that is that I, I would say before I got into all of this, um, military spouses in general were kind of like the most resilient people that I knew, um, and just military families. Um, and like you said, we kind of deal with uh, hardships and we deal with being flexible and we deal with all these things that are very unique to um, our service member and, and what they do. And so now being on this other side, we would have fostered children and we're dealing with children that are in care. We're seeing how similar we actually really are. So um, they are incredibly resilient. Um, and th just some of the parallels there of, for example, my children having to deal with um, deployments where you know, their father was away for an extended period of time and they had to worry about his safety and if he was coming home and keep that bond there while he was out of the home. Um, that's something that a child in foster care deals with. You know, they worry about their parents when they're not with them. They worry about um, whether or not they will see them again. They worry about all these things and try to keep that bond intact so that hopefully unification can happen. So I think in some ways it really equips us um, in ways that other people might not truly understand or have had experience with. Um, to be able to be a better support for the children that are coming into our care. Um, and then as far as just the stability part of that, I will say we had a sibling group that came into our care. They were our first sibling group. Um, and in the first year that they had been placed in foster care, they had moved four different times. So when they came to us, we were their fifth move in a year. Um, and that wasn't because it was military families that they were with. It was just because they had really... Um, difficult, some difficult behaviors. They had somewhere, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the people they were with got um, pregnant. And so it just wasn't working. So for whatever reason, they ended up moving, you know, that many times. So when I started thinking about that and I said, okay, well, I know that we can at least provide stability and love and a safe place for the two years that we thought we were going to be here at that time. I said, well, that's two years that I'm giving them a safe, level, loving, stable home um, where they might not have had that elsewhere. So, so it, it is tricky. It's a little bit hard to navigate, but it's definitely doable. So that's it's incredible because I, as you say it, it sounds like oh, that makes so much sense. Like that that especially the part where we have so many similarities to mm -hmm. them. Like we who who better to help these kids yeah. than people who are learning how to deal with hard things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I, we can empathize so much more. Mm -hmm. We can, I mean, hopefully we can like coach them through things. Yes. If we've been able to coach ourselves through things. Absolutely. Um, it's like a duh moment for, yeah, <laughs> for but me. I mean, it really took me a long time to see that too. And I think it wasn't until we were like in the middle of it. I was like, Oh, like I've done this before with my kids. Like I've helped them through some of these things. And so it really was like an aha <laughs> moment for me yeah. as well to be like, Oh, maybe I, maybe I can do this. Maybe I'm not going to totally screw them up. So yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> so, uh, we, 
we don't want to just screw them up. Yeah. Do you, so there's, um, there's a company that I've worked with that they're, um, a huge part of their mission is foster care. It's mascara beauty. And they, um, the owners have been foster parents and adopted and they created this movie that I think everybody should go watch. And now I'm totally blanking on what the name is, but it's about, um, it's about how like your, the love that you can offer matters. Mm -hmm. Cause I know like another thing that we've thought of is like, well, if, we're only going to have them for a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, like what, what difference can we even do? Well, ma- maybe we'll, we'll start with that question. Like how, how has, have those time frames looked like you've had 12 kids in three years. Mm-hmm. It's not like, what is the average time that you have had them? Yeah. So <laughs> that really has varied tremendously and it really does um, case by case and child by child. Um, so we've had some children as few as two to three days and our longest placement, we had a sibling set for two years. So, and everywhere in between there. So there are, um, lots of things that kind of go into what that looks like. Uh, I'll just say very quickly in foster care, when a child is removed from their, their family, um, that family is given like a case plan and they're told, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of improve so that your children can come back in the home. So whether that's, um, parenting classes or, or maybe like a rehab thing or something like that, um, they're given X amount of time to do that. So as long as the parents are working and meeting those goals that the court has set for them, um, then the, the children will go back and reunify with them. So mm-hmm. that really just depends on if they're working that case plan, um, how long it takes them to work that with the, with the level of trauma or abuse or, um, whatever it is that, that took them out of the home to begin with. Um, and then there, there are different like levels, I guess, of foster care too. So you can do what would be kind of a traditional, what you consider a foster parent, which now they try to call it a partnership parent because they really want you to partner with the biological family and, and, um, work to reunify and, and build that connection and bond and maintain that. But, um, you can also do what you call respite foster care. So you go through the exact same process to become a foster parent, but then you only take children for a maximum of two weeks at a time. And these children are essentially coming to you from another foster family and say that foster family is going on vacation or, you know, they, they just need a break. Um, then the children will come to you and you're essentially babysitting them, <laughs> but you're still technically a foster parent and you're keeping them for just that short period of time. So for that, you're still helping children who are in foster care, you're still making an impact. You're helping support a foster family who is maybe doing this on a larger scale, you know, day to day. So there mm-hmm. are lots of kind of ways to be involved. Um, that don't require you to just be a foster parent. Um, so I, th- I think that's important. I don't think people realize how much, uh, I don't know, opportunity there is to help, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like a lot of different options. Yeah. So what, what do you say to somebody who like, uh, you know, cares about children and mm-hmm. hates that there are kids that are suffering out there, but doesn't feel like they can make an impact? Um, I would say anybody can make an impact, really. Um, we, I will say, like, for sure, I don't think that everybody is called to be a foster parent, just like not everybody is called to join the military. Um, it's something that you need to feel led to do and, and have a heart and a desire for that. But just because you can't be a foster parent doesn't mean that you can't do something. So um, whether you're just mentoring that child, whether you're taking a foster family a meal, like anybody can do something to impact 
a child and to show them love and to show them that there's another person that is caring about them and their well-being. So and there's just so many ways to do that without having to take a child in your home. And for those who think like, maybe I'm just not equipped or I don't know if I can handle it. Um, I mean, I think it just is like any other parenting, you know, it's scary. And it's, and sometimes you think like, I don't know if I can do this, but um, I would say if there's, if there's that hesitation of just, I have this desire, but I'm not sure if I'm qualified, I would say just go for it, <laughs> like try it and see, um, you know, because really all they, they're just like any other child in that sense that they really just need love and they just need somebody that is looking out for them and helping them to learn how to maybe do these things that they weren't taught in a healthy home environment, you know, as, as simple as teaching them to make their own peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just those kind of basic life skills that sometimes they don't get. So you don't have to, you know, be super spectacular or have a, you know, a degree in whatever, like it's really just having a heart and a, and a passion to make some kind of a difference, a positive difference in, in their lives. I love that. Cause like the heart and the passion, cause the, the video that I was talking about it, um, it like depicts a kid's, a particular kid's experience with one family mm -hmm. and wasn't there for a super long amount of time, but like it, it just shows how the love from that one family mm -hmm. just mattered. And, um, like it's, oh, maybe it's called love is never wasted. Oh, something like that. Yeah. But it, um, I rewatched it the other day, just thinking about our, the conversation that we were going to be having. And I mm -hmm. like realized how similar, once again, another similarity yes. between military life and fostering is mm -hmm. that like, we are only in a duty station for a few years. Right. Yes. And we could just think, well, we're going to be leaving relatively soon or our neighbor's going to be leaving relatively soon. So there's no point in, spending a ton of time and energy in re a relationship, right? Because it's yeah, not absolutely. going to last forever. Mm -hmm. Just like you could think of that with fostering. It's like, well, what's the point? They're not going to be here forever. Like yes. why, why invest my heart? Yeah. But I've come to understand with military life that every single relationship is so valuable and like mm -hmm. builds your heart and just, buoys up your soul for all of the hard things that come from life. Yes. And I think if, if we're willing to give that love to these kids, that not only helps them and buoys them, but it also buoys us, even though mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe other listeners don't feel this way, but like one of my hesitancies with fostering care is like, I have to love somebody, but then I have to give them away. Like that's, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give them away. Yeah, absolutely. Or I love your, just that analogy of the, the neighboring and the, and having those friendships, because that's a hundred percent what it is, knowing that for whatever time that you can have that relationship, that it's going to impact your life in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I will say like, I mean, that really is kind of the number one fear of a lot of people is they say, Oh, like I couldn't love a child and have a child in my home only to give them back or to give them away. And I, that was probably one of the biggest things that held me back. Um, Mm -hmm. For a very long time, once we found out that we could foster, I thought I couldn't do that. Like I love children. Um, and I, I just can't see myself doing that. And I finally realized that as I was kind of thinking through that and processing that on my own, everything was very much about me, like very eye focused. And I said, I can't give this child up. I can't, you know, have my heart broken. I can't do this. And I started thinking, 
here's this child and I'm, I'm thinking so much about myself. I'm not really thinking about them. And so this child who has left their home and left everything that they've known and everything that they love and everything that's familiar to them. Um, if I can provide them again, a safe home and a stable environment and love on them for whatever amount of time, um, then maybe I'm okay to get my heart broken in order to provide for them just that little bit of stability and that little bit of love and that little bit of knowing that they're somewhere safe. And so when I kind of flipped, you know, flipped the script on that and started thinking about the child more than myself is when I really was able to come to terms with that and say, okay, like I can get my heart broken and I have got my heart broken. Like it is not easy um, to say goodbye to these children and to have a little piece of your heart taken with them each time. And, um, but at the same time, it has been incredibly meaningful and it has changed our lives for the better. And I'm, while it has been incredibly difficult, it's also one of the best decisions that we've made. And um, it's worth worth getting your heart broken for a little bit. Hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> so how it's, it's 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 a tender subject and it, just, it is it is I I oh, man, getting choked up like I just hate thinking about kids in particular, like mm-hmm. suffering and having a I'm hard sorry. time and. I don't know. I think so often we think like, I just want to take all the babies and I just want to help everybody. But yet this is something that is relatively simple that we could do. Like it, or I guess not simple, but it's an opportunity that is available for us to actually do something and impact our community and help people for good. And yet it's, it's a program that is always needing more help. Absolutely. There, there, it doesn't seem like people are jumping for the opportunity. And yet we say, you know, I just want to help people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's it's easier to say like, this is a need and then it's harder to actually like step into that need for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And I, I will say, I mean, even, you know, where we're currently at, our, our state is one of the leading states as far as having available foster homes. And they've doubled from, even from 2018 to 2019, um, they doubled the amount of foster parents and foster homes that were available. So right now there are like 7,500 foster homes available, which is awesome. But then when you think about there are 15,000 children in our state alone that need a foster home, like it doesn't even come close. So um, there's a constant need for more more families to step up and more foster homes to become available. Um, and it's not just our state, like it is nationwide. The, the numbers are, are insane when you see them. So, yeah. So how let's get into some of the questions with like, not, I guess, logistics, but like mm-hmm. military, like how does that work? Yes. Military families are like apparently more states. <laughs> <stable. laughs> right. Yeah. I, I always feel bad saying that. I'm like, I don't know if that's actually, but like, I mean, I see what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we are solid people, I guess. And you yeah. know, we're going to be here for a certain amount of time because mm-hmm. the government said so, but right. like how, um, how has that been? I guess we don't have to go in like the how to's, mm-hmm. um, maybe people can reach out if they have specific questions, but like, <laughs> I think of like logistics of, if you're going to live on base, mm-hmm. then they have to be a dependent. Like, can you live on base and be a yes. foster parent? Like, yep. um, 
I guess. So yeah, the question yeah, is yes. So that's kind of logistic part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, can they go to the DOD schools mm-hmm. or, um, I don't know. Can, can you think of other logistics? Yeah. Like, have there been any hiccups yes. with that? Like specifically, <laughs> like if you're living on base, cause I feel like that's where it gets, it would get a little it's bit a little tricky. tricky. Yes, for sure. Um, and I will say that was probably one of the hardest things for us because we were really, I think one of the first military foster families, um, at, at least from my understanding that started fostering while we lived on post. And so when we would go to housing, they'd be like, uh, we're not really sure what to do. And so it would take, you know, several days for them to try to call around and figure things out. And that I would tell them, Hey, look, like our goal is to get more foster parents here. So y'all better like figure out what you're doing. <laughs> so it's <laughs> easier for the next people. So we were kind of, I felt like we were kind of getting things in a lot of way. Um, but everybody was super supportive. I will say that at least for our duty station, um, people were very ready to give us the answers that we needed and to help us figure out what we needed. Um, so it, it can be difficult, especially if there aren't a lot of foster families already in your community to kind of pave that way, but it is possible. And so we fostered while we lived on post, um, our, the children that we had in our care were able to go to our DOD schools. So it did require some waivers. Um, it requires you to get some paperwork from, you know, the state agency that you're fostering through. And, um, you know, we had to go get the soldier, my, my husband, um, he's an active duty member. So he had to have his commander sign off some, on some things, just saying that we were responsible for the children. If there were any damage that they were, you know, did on post kind of thing. Um, and right. so we didn't even have to, for them to just live on post, they don't actually even have to become dependents. You just get a waiver from housing saying that they can stay with you on post for them to attend a DOD school. We did have to go to the process to enroll them in years as our dependents. And so there are a lot of, um, specific paperwork. I like, I, you know, I have all the numbers written down somewhere if somebody actually wanted them, but the forms to turn in and, and those kinds of things. So it is doable. It is a little bit, excuse me, of a headache, um, but it is possible for sure. Mm-hmm. Have you been a foster parent off post as well? Yes. So we actually just moved off post last summer. So almost a full year now that we've been off post. And so we've been able to experience both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is it easier or, you know, not really. Um, a big... I mean, it was easier in the sense that we didn't have to do extra paperwork to get them into school. We didn't have to get extra waivers, you know, because now they're attending a school off post. And so it's just as easy as, you know, taking in and filling out the registration papers and stuff. Whereas on post, you know, we had to do a lot more faxing of paperwork and a lot more signatures. And so it was, it just took a little bit more time and effort, I would say, to live on post and do it. But it's, um, it's not impossible. It's, it is easier and it's less steps when you are off post. So right. it's just, yeah. And then you said you have like all the form. Have you like written out the process I of have. doing it? Yeah. That's so we awesome. found when, when we, um, when we first started this, I was like, you know, trying to find all these blogs and look through like just for information. Cause at that time, I, you know, we didn't really know anything. And so I was trying to figure out not just about foster care in general, but then about fostering as a military family. And I really mm-hmm. couldn't find a lot of resources. And so, um, I started, a, a page called Foster Strong for our community here. Um, and so I started just writing down everything as we would go through it. And I started blogging, um, you know, each step of the way saying like, this is what we needed and this is what we did. And I'd go back and edit it as we needed more things. And so that group has grown, which has been amazing to see. And as we're growing, um, there are several more foster families now that foster on post here. And we have some, some, some support groups that we've put in place. And so we actually have what we call care teams that surround the foster families that are on post and they take them a meal each week and they babysit for them. Um, and so this has become really a, 
a solid community of foster parents and foster support that are, is very military specific. Um, and we had one of our members actually recently PCS'd to uh, New York to, to Port Drum. And so she started a chapter there as well. So I love that, like, as people are learning about it here and becoming involved and they're taking that with them and, and starting their own chapters. And I just think that's incredible. So that is incredible. Like that's, that is so, it's just incredible that you've created a, a system really that works, that, that takes care of itself, but gets the community involved. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to get involved where they mm -hmm. are, like, do they just Google it's important, you know, like yeah. helping foster care families in our area. Like if, if, yeah, I mean, for um, our group specifically, you, you could just put in the name and it would come up for our, But what if they just community? want to support um, foster Like families? I said, they, do you we just, are growing. Like, there are more and more people that are doing group, that, you know, um, in different areas and stuff. So I would say Googling is probably the first start. <laughs> and then really, if you can connect with any sort of, um, there, there are some like military specific foster support groups, um, on Facebook and things. So if you kind of plugged into one of them, a lot of times people in there can, you know, point you to a specific group just for supporting in different areas. Um, and so I would say, yeah, Facebook, Googling, those kinds of things, and just sort of researching that there's not really like one spot to go to, to say, oh, if I'm going to this area, like here's how I can get involved in this area. But, um, if, with a little bit of research, I think you could find something wherever you are or start something. I mean, that's the other, we have some really great people who have said, oh, there's nothing here. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I'm going to create a foster closet where we take, you know, clothing donations and, and help children in care. I'm going to start this meal train kind of thing. Or, you know, so I would say if you can't find something, then, I mean, that's another great way to plug in and make a difference. So that's awesome. Cause like right now we're in like the baby phase and I just don't, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just doesn't seem feasible right now. Um, but, yeah. I, but I love that I can still do something because there are, mm -hmm. there are so many kids, guys, if you do not know the numbers, like just Google it real fast. Like it, there are so many kids who just need some love and need some help. And there are yeah. just families who I think, I think a lot of times when people think of foster care, they think of like the really, really terrible, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, just like the bad stereotypes in it's that kids, yeah. you know, kids that are totally far mm -hmm. off a path that, you know, and people are like, oh, I just, you know, I don't want that yeah. in my home or I don't want that influencing yeah. their family or whatever. But like there, that's not really the case. And it's just people who yeah. are having a hard time and they're doing their best, but sometimes they just don't know, just don't know how, how to do better. Um, and this is a way that we can show love, like just show love and care for our community. And I really, really love that. Um, yes. If people do have questions um, just mm -hmm. in general about fostering, where should they go? Like what, what is the starting? Yeah. For, for that, you, you would just kind of Google um, child welfare agency for whatever your area is like put in years of code. Mm -hmm. um, each state is different. So it's either like going to be um, what they call DFACS, which is Department of Family and Children's Services or CPS, which is Child Protective Services. So whatever your specific agency is that deals with family and children for your community, that's where you would start. And they usually will have, um, you know, their state website or whatever that will have information on like an orientation and just how to get more information about fostering in general. That's mm -hmm. usually all, all accessible online. Yeah. And then as like, what, what are some of your thoughts on like 
you're a military spouse, you and your family are dealing with all of these hard things with, um, with military life and just the stressors mm -hmm. and stuff. And yet you've added something that ha has been difficult. How have you been able to handle all that and process everything? And, um, no, that's, um, that's a great question. Like, it, it's hard. And there were days where we questioned, like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Like, why did we do this to ourselves? Because yes, you already have um, some very specific hardships and things that you deal with as a military family. And then, like you said, you're bringing these children in that are coming from hard places and who have their own trauma and their own things that they're working through. And so it seems counterproductive <laughs> to combine those two things together. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one, having uh, support of some some kind is essential um, there, there are statistics that will say that foster families will quit after the first, e either the first year or the first um, placement that they have. 50% of them will quit if they don't have support. However, for those families who have support wrapped around them, 80% of them will continue on and they'll foster longer, they'll foster stronger. So I think it's imperative that you join some sort of, like for us, our faith, our church is a huge part of that for us. Um, but then just our community in general, we've really plugged in and we have this this group of people that are our village and that who help us and just being authentic with them and real with them and saying, hey, this is a really hard day. Like I need some help. And I think as a just a military spouse, I already over the years had gotten to that place where I was able to do that in our military life and say like, hey, this is really hard. We're going through something that's really difficult and I need some help and I need some support and being just real and putting it out there. And so we just kind of continue that into this fostering side of things too and just telling people um, and being real and saying, this is messy and this is hard and this is scary and um, all these other things and just asking for help and being willing to accept help. I think that's kind of the key key there is just being willing to ask and receive help. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like super solid advice, whether you're going to foster or not. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, it, it is hard. It's worth it, but it's hard. And just because yeah. like you just don't have to do it alone. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. We always think we do, but you just don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Oh, man. So last question. As a fostering military wife, what is your key to thriving? Well, I would say kind of what we just said, community, really. Um, I'd say not waiting for, for others to come to you um, and invite you in. Like That's always great when, when that happens, but being intentional about it, surrounding yourself with positive people who will say like, I know this is hard, but you can do this. That will lift you up. Um, just being intentional about making that community and building that community, um, I think is really the key to thriving. I love it. Thank you so much, Crystal. Um, yeah, if, somebody, if somebody wants to connect with you, I know you have these like awesome resource of all these things written down the yeah. process and all that. How, what's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Yeah. Um, people are, I'm, I'm happy to give my email address. That's probably the easiest way. The, the group that we have, um, is specific to our, our installation here. So mm -hmm. if they are local to our community, then they're welcome to reach out that way. Otherwise, um, my email address is crystal at clement dash arts. Okay. Dot org. And there. So. I'll put that in the show notes if people are like worried about okay. some Perfect. spelling yeah. or any of that. Yes. Guys, yeah. Cause it's a little yeah. <laughs> tricky. Yep. Guys yeah. just maybe just spend a minute and like research 
about the foster care system. I'm not saying you have to, everybody should be foster parents. Cause like you said, not everybody should, but just research and like, so you are aware of what is going on in your community. And then I would like, honestly consider what is something you could do, even if it's just one time, like one meal you could take to a foster family, um, one clothing drive you could do, like or just buying some clothes, like you, you can do something. So just think about that. Serve your community. I know it is personally for me, like there have been, um, the times where I'm going through the hardest stuff and I just feel so stuck and so lost when I serve in those moments, that's what always gets me out of it. Um, so just, I don't know, just challenge you to look, look outward and at the very least, become aware. Um, so Crystal, thank you so much. Guys, go do that. Reach out to Crystal if you have any questions. And thank you again, Crystal, so much. And guys, just remember, just because it's hard doesn't mean it has to be miserable. And I think service is is how we can, can bring that joy back in the hard things. You guys have a great week. If you are loving the content here and want some more Waiting Warrior action, check us out at Instagram or Facebook. The handle is The Waiting Warrior, no S, or check out the website, TheWaitingWarriors.com. Make sure you get on our mail list. We have some really awesome things coming up. Have a great day.